Capes and Crooks, a superhero RPG utilizing core 5th edition rules with a unique twist. Take on the role of your own superhero, or villain. Completely customizable origins, powers, and enhancements. Utilize advanced technology to aid in your mission. Join us in Cobalt City and the ultramodern world of Terra. Dive into the political intrigue and chaos of a world still adjusting to superpowered citizens. In a world where what is right and what is the law often conflict, how will you choose to use your powers and conceal your identity? Capes and Crooks is a complete RPG game with everything you need to create a super experience sure to delight your players. It includes over 300 pages of content with full color illustrations. There will always be good and evil, light and dark. There will always be Capes and Crooks. Now live on Kickstarter, please become a backer today and share with your friends. To the Crit Academy, I am your host Justin, and I am uh, right here from Zipper on Disney, talking uh, well with my uh, wonderful friends about this uh, great publication that's out. Yeah, and I'm your co-host Austin. If you, in case you forgot, and I'm your co-host Ian. You probably forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Mm-hmm. I am super excited for today's episode. Before we get into that, I would like to give a quick uh, shout out. Uh, our Capes and Crooks, a 5th edition superhero RPG um, Kickstarter is now live. It ends on July 29th. We're a little over 40%, 42%, somewhere in there um, right now. Uh, we're definitely not blowing up as much as we would like, so if this is a project you'd like to see brought to get life, please consider supporting it. You can head on over to rebrand.ly slash kickstarter, capes and crooks, or you can find a link to it on our website, or just Google it in the search bar on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know, capes and crooks is a 5e superhero RPG. We've stripped away subclasses, we've added evolving powers, and it makes for a lot of cool customization. So if you want to, please uh, help us bring this project to life. Absolutely. With that, thanks everyone for joining us today here at Craig Academy Studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a gazette with no headline. You need those. You kind of (laughs) do. So on today's show, I want to thank Zipperon for joining us today. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, his lovely, uh, a- a- action-packed uh, <laughs> uh, book, The Gad- Galder's-, Galder's Gazetteer, I think, is how you say that? Um, that's how so. I've been saying it, is that correct? Oh, we've got no audio on you, Zipperon. Galder's Gazetteer, yep, that's correct. Okay, Sorry about that. No, you're good. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so I'm super you. excited to talk about that because it's got a massive collection of awesome options. Things I hadn't even thought of. Can I just say I, I can't wait to dig into it. I love the additional martial options and additional yes. action options. Nice work. Uh, <laughs> uh, but before that, we like to start off every episode on a high note by giving away fat loots. Compliments of our generous sponsors. It's so nice to be back here to say that I can give people stuff away. Yeah. 
Our RPG Fat Loot giveaway is the Primal Path, Path of the Hero by David Serrano. Lead your party to victory with this teamwork-focused Primal Path. Make your allies stronger as you inspire them with your fearless rage. Freeze your enemies in fear as you charge and show them how things are done. Go forth as your heroic rage boosts your allies, protecting them against harm, forcing your foes to recoil, and let your party wail on them. Furthermore... You are not just strong, but your heroic presence is also useful when it comes to social encounters. Wow, who would have guessed that you know the barbarian would be doing that? Uh, be the face of the party, not just the brawn. I love it. So, if you will on your enemies, are you using an actual whale? Yes. What? Please. <laughs> and our winner today is Count uh, Count's Cuisine. But don't worry if you didn't win, because you can just head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. All you have to do is go to our newsletter and be like, yes, I would like to be a part of this. Yes. It's that easy. <laughs> All right. Uh, once again, thank you, Zipperon, for joining us. I am obviously a huge fan of your content, which I only had learned about when we ran it into you at a convention. Um, yep. And you totally destroyed my little pop quiz thing um, <laughs> like a boss. And I was like, who the hell is this guy that just comes in and knows these answers? Like, you're a YouTuber. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We met at uh, RPG Academy's uh, convention in Dayton, Acaticon. Yep. Yeah, fantastic uh, small convention uh, for like independent RPGs, mm -hmm. real like small, like community oriented. I, fantastic, fantastic place. Yeah. Michael's a great guy too. Puts it on. Yes, for it was sure. A fun for con. sure. We had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but for those that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? Yes, absolutely. I run a YouTube channel for Advanced Dungeon Masters. Uh, a lot of YouTube channels out there talk about, you know, the top 10 tips for beginners or, you know, the best spells or, you know, subclass rankings. What I do is I go a little bit one step deeper. My channel is really for people who want to be uh, game designers themselves or are really focused on uh, the tools of narration and uh, storytelling and social interaction. That That's a wonderful awesome. way to put it. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> nice. Hey, I so, punched when I put, as we were talking. Hey, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's really exciting. If you haven't checked out his thing, I will toss a link in the uh, in the the chat below so you can go right and check it out after this show. After, yeah, after the show, please. After the show. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for telling us a little bit about yourself in a nice, neat, concise way. Right? Because uh, most guests don't seem to do that, I feel well, like. I don't even do that. I don't do that either. Anyway, what is your most memorable D&D &D moment? I know that's hard to do. Okay, so I've been on this show before, and I think I already shared one where I talked about the uh, an epic TPK at the end of a 17th, 18th level campaign. Yep. Yeah. Um. So I think we have to put that in the past. I think another uh, really, really memorable moment was I... I, I one shot killed a character in the middle of the, the pandemic, right? We had been playing this campaign for like a year and a half at that point, right? Uh, through Zoom all this time, right? And, you know, this was like the one thing we all had like for our social interaction, right? So these characters meant a lot to these people. Mm -hmm. And I had tried to warn them ahead of time. I said, this, you know, this person they can kill with one blow. Uh, I tried to foreshadow as much as I could. And they knew that this weapon, this person has a Borpal dagger, just stab. <laughs> If the uh, if the attacker rolled a twenty, their heart would explode, right? What? And so that happened. Cool. You know, she rolled with advantage, and I said twenty. Effie dies. 
Oh. Uh, and they didn't, they didn't quite get it. They're like, no, we can just, you know, revive her. She's, you know, just down. We can, you know, uh, heal her real fast, stabilize her. I'm like, no, her heart exploded. She is dead. And then just the silence. Because uh, we're playing on Zoom, and I was behind the camera, so making this uh, disembodied voice. And I just hear this nothingness. And I knew I broke everybody's heart. Literally. Oh, ah, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a... And they get this, right? Like, I don't know why players do this. Uh, the, the very next session, right, they try to introduce the new character, and the first thing they do is they get into a fight, right? <laughs> of With course. each other? Or something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all, all, of the, all the player characters are at the, the tavern, like, mourning the death of their new comrade, right? And the new player character walks in, and they immediately get into a fight in the middle of the bar room. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. like... Why can't you just make it easy on yourselves? <laughs> right. I don't know, but that's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the idea of just like having like, because that'd be like if we like when I lost one of our characters and like descent into Avernus, but like because like, I mean, obviously you foreshadowed it a lot, but like I think no one truly expects getting you know truly one shot right you know right. like they don't mm-hmm. they'll think like oh it'll be an epic battle and oh no he he got his most powerful move and it killed me right but like this is like. It, it was it was nowhere you know it's just like yeah. he just comes in and it's just that that's it your heart's gone now <laughs> yeah, <it's over. laughs> the rule i had was if you were below 20 hit points and they rolled a 20 you your heart exploded that's done. Oh, so man. good yeah i actually have a video on this topic about save or die on my channel i go into a 10 minute deep dive about like all the the philosophy you could possibly imagine about this mm-hmm. like i said it's for advanced dungeon masters yeah. of course i think that's actually one of the things that sets your channel apart than others which you mentioned earlier and um you really do some pretty awesome stuff in fact it even mentions that in this this uh the the little promo spew for this book particularly so um very cool do you once again have a moment where you feel like you may have either failed as a player or dm and if so what did you learn from it oh man i make all sorts of uh i make all sorts of mistakes while uh while dming (laughs) i hope we all can agree um (laughs) yeah i think that when i just sort of talked about where you know the players got into a fight right away i think that was my mistake like uh i had to stream ahead of time it's like okay here's how we're going to introduce your character so i prepped the player uh and we've had to introduce new characters before, and so I've warned them, okay, this is a lot easier if you all just decide that your characters get along. So I don't think that was my mistake. I tried to to do it right. They just messed up there. Um, for a mistake that I've made recently, uh, let me think about this. Uh, okay. So I think that I had I tipped my hand once. That we were talking, we were mm-hmm. ending the the campaign, right? We knew that we were maybe four or five sessions out. And so the players were just like casually chatting about the game. And I dropped in there, oh yeah, here's some treasures that you missed. And that just uh, broke their hearts, right? Yeah, Saying, okay, yeah. it was almost like me taunting them. Like, oh, had you been smarter players, you would have realized this. I didn't mean it that way, but that's how they oh, took it. I yeah. could tell I just like deflated them. Like, oh, that's why we don't have javelins of lightning. That's why we have such few gold is because we just missed it. And... I, I think revealing sort of what's going on behind the screen could can be done well. And it can be a way done that can lift up the players, but telling them treasure that they missed is never the right answer. Yeah, right. I'll admit there was one time where I'm for my Monday game. I'm running Princess of the Apocalypse, and mm-hmm. and the first time the entire kind of the fire cult, they course got nailed by multiple fireballs at once because fire cult, <laughs> and. I even thought to those players, man, you guys will be having much easier time had you found that ring of fire resistance <laughs> a while back. <laughs> Wait, there's a what? <laughs> oh no! But see, oh. that's but the but 
But then I'll admit, they start speculating, where did we miss that? <laughs> there was a, um adventure I had once ran, and I'll keep this short. Uh, short. I recorded it, and it was um, uh, an example of running through this, you know, um, tri- Crit Academy Trials, I think is what it's called. And they asked, they basically ran through this tunnel, and the ceiling Sorry. basically collapsed on them. And at the end of it, one of the players said, "Is like, what would have happened if we didn't have the strength to, to uh, you know, hold up that ceiling enough for somebody to get out and flip the switch to disable it?" I was like, um, "Well, you could have did an investigation. You could have, you easily would have found that there's an illusionary wall designed for people to take cover." Um, and has an alternate path around to avoid the trap entirely. And he's like, how would we have found that? And then he kind of started to get upset that he missed that. And I feel like I should have said, well, guess you'll never know, instead of going into the detail of mm-hmm. you guys missed this thing and it, your job was harder because of it. Um, so I will certainly uh, look into that. Uh, yeah, like there's certainly like some fun to be had, like playing, okay, uh, the players are exasperated and the DM is exasperated at them. Mm-hmm. Like there's certainly like some fun banter that can be had that way, but it's really, really easy to, to cross that line into making people uh, feel bad. Yeah, for sure. And let's be real. Sometimes what you say, you don't know how people are going to react to it too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so... And that's always going to be true no matter what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so now obviously you're here to talk about... Uh, uh, Galder's Gazetteer and Lawrence's story. Can you tell us in the audience about that, please? All right. So at this point, almost two years ago, there was a post made on Reddit. A young guy named Lawrence that uh, very sadly, he had a rare form of cancer and only weeks to live. That he had gone to the doctors complaining of uh, internal pains and they did, you know, some preliminary tests and they told him that, you know, he was young and he was healthy. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing was wrong. But eventually they did find a tumor, and by the time they got there, it was uh, too late to do anything for him. So, very sadly, before he passed, he asked the rest of the community if there was something that he could do, right? That if they could take his character, his Galder wizard, and have him be an NPC in their games. Oh. Uh, And lots and lots of people did that. Like, they took up the call, and now Galder the wizard is an NPC in, you know, hundreds of games uh, uh, living on in their stories. And so this book goes one step further. What we did was, we're like, okay, if this wizard is visiting all these different worlds, surely he would have collected those stories and see how things were done differently in all these different uh, planes of existence and all these different worlds that he's gone and visited as an NPC. And so this book, is a, it's a splat book. It's a large collection of different classes and races, uh, character options and variant rules. And it's all dedicated to uh, this character's memory and this Lawrence's memory. And uh, we are donating all the proceeds from the book. Every, yeah, all the money that I am getting from it is going to the Cancer Research Institute. Okay. Uh, so far, we've raised over $10,000 nice. in that's the past amazing. like month and a half. Yeah, that's awesome. Holy cow. That is. Uh, yeah, it's the top seller on DriveThruRPG. Uh, link in the description, I hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can, uh, we can make that happen. It's in our show notes. I will get that in there as well. Um, if you'd like to follow along as we're having this discussion, you can head to criticacademy.com and there's the link to the show notes in the blog there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I will uh, drop. make sure that's dropped. Actually, I will ask my uh, distant uh, wife to drop that if she can for me. Not a flash. Um, so, so, yeah. So that's the, the, the premise of the book, right? So if you flip through it, there's all sorts of little like notes and sidebars. Like, you know how in Xanathar's or in Volo's, there's like yeah. notes from like Volo and Xanathar in here. So in here, the, there are notes like written by Gaul and all the stuff yeah. in here. Gotcha. And so that's uh, that, that's one part of it. You know, you're sort of a splat book. There's 
you know, lots of subclasses and new ancestries and things like that. Right. But like I said, uh, this book is for advanced players because my channel is for advanced uh, users of the system. For sure. And so I went like one step further. Uh, not only is it there uh, three new class options and a bunch of uh, subclasses and things like that, there are also variant classes. So instead of just having variant class features, what we did was we ripped out a whole bunch of features and replaced them uh, brand new. So it's a different core class, a different yes. expression of that class's core identity. Yeah. So it's a variant rogue, variant wizard, uh, all sorts of cool stuff like that. Yeah, variant and I, bard. I, and I, that was one of the things that I just thought was amazing because there are some classes that just really needed a remake. Oh, yeah. Um, For and sure. I think the execution that the, 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 the writers did was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, uh, a lot of our favorite sections is uh, like the expanded rule set. Uh, so like the new con- yes. uh, conditions, new actions, martial attacks, uh, even yeah. like some new rules for falling. <laughs> exactly. So if we're going to rebuild like some of these core classes, we can probably do it with other stuff. So there's also sure. an expanded rule set. There mm-hmm. are seven new conditions uh, that you can go ahead and inflict upon your players. You can become... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, there's the burned condition, which imparts a vulnerability to a damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's the dulled condition, which is represents, you know, like your loss of your mind, things like that. There right. is the doomed condition, which calls you towards the grave. Can I just uh, say, I love the inclusion of the bloodied condition. Yeah. Yes, um, thank you. That is yeah. one of my favorite mechanics out of 4E. And I think you you nailed it really well. I mean, shoot, a lot of people mm-hmm. use it anyway. Yeah, as a <laughs> yeah. good reference point. Um, yeah. I also like so the, the idea of... And this the, the seven sorry, new conditions. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, I really do like the inclusion of the doomed condition, because, you know, these people find some terrible things. <laughs> like, it's just, it's going <laughs> to be that way. <laughs> the one that I really like is uh, Despondent. That is one that I use a lot in my game. It's sort of an uh, attack on someone's sense of uh, psyche and self. Uh, sort of like a, the Dementors from Harry Potter or when Frodo puts on the ring. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a, a supernatural manifestation of, like, uh, depression and gloom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because cool. like a, lot a lot of the time, fantasy is used to explore, uh, you know, psychological phenomena, right? Yeah. And so we sort of manifest that in different ways. And so in this way, this is another way to manifest uh, sort of uh, that feeling of uh, perpetual hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it does it pretty well. Mechanically, it does it really, really well. Um, so the one thing I really want to talk about is what were, what was the thought in coming up with the new actions? Um, because that was something that really stood out to me. Um, and it's not something I had ever thought to explore. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I I want this to be innovative, uh, expansion out there, the most innovative third party product. Mm -hmm. So in addition to those seven new conditions, there are four new actions and one reaction. Uh, and this is going to be for advanced players. I knew that a lot of people were harking for more things to do in combat. I thought, well, sure. uh, there's a couple of ways to do that. If you want more actions and co- if you want more things to do in combat, you can either expand the weapon set, or you can probably expand the things they're able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide has a lot of things, uh, you know, some suggestions for expanded options, but they run into a problem. In the Dungeon <laughs> Master's Guide, none of those uh, new <laughs> actions are integrated anywhere else in the rest of the system. They're an optional plugin. Yes. So what this mm-hmm. book does is it takes those new conditions and those new actions and it integrates them throughout all the subclasses, all the, the races, uh, all the, you know, the spells and the adventures. They all have examples of how to use these expansions, like, in play. Right. So they're not just sitting there on a shelf. They're fully integrated into the text and into the product. And I think that's good, too, because 
yes, uh, DMG does include a lot of extra stuff, but not everybody's <laughs> actually going to even touch a DMG, let alone buy one. Especially those who are just players and not a dungeon master. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like Sunder right here, like, you've always had somebody try to knock away a piece of equipment or try to break something, right? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. There are already rules in 5th edition for how equipment could break. Right, right. This just codifies it and gives the players a reliable way to do it. Yeah. Uh, like, the other one is the escape action. The escape action is, it's very loose. It's like the hide action. It's really dependent on the, on the DM. So it's not very hard as in terms of rules. But mm -hmm. what it does is it allows the players, it constantly keeps that in their mind that there's a way we can reliably get out of initiative. They know how to put themselves in initiative. You just need to punch the guard. But how right. to get yourself out of initiative is normally something in the, the Dungeon Master's purview. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like, you know, Japanese RPGs, this is something they always include mm -hmm. to give the players, it hard codes away for the players to, you know, GTFO. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I mean, you're right. Even in Pokemon gave you an escape rope yeah, to get they, the hell out like, of Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, you can yeah. run. <laughs> it's an option. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love it. Uh, so the other thing uh, I want to really talk about, and we did a, a project called uh, Weapon Perks, where yes. each weapon had mm -hmm. a unique kind of mechanic, so there was more than just the die roll. I should that really made it... run a sickle player, and now that I think about that, thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. It's high roll. <laughs> I, thank you, because it was so cool. <laughs> so um, I noticed, and this really tickled my dice as far as products, when I got to the section on martial attacks so not only did you give us extra things to do with our actions you gave us like almost maneuvers that anybody with a melee weapon can do uh -huh. um this is something i'm not anyone with a melee weapon it routes through the extra attack action oh i didn't so even notice that do it. and so only people that can get the extra yeah. attack can do it do you want to tell us about some of those yeah yeah so this is i mean not to toot my own horde too much but this is something that i'm particularly proud of uh, what these martial attacks do is that if you take the attack action, they give you something you can trade your extra attack for. Mm -hmm. That second attack is a resource you can spend to do cool things. And it's depending on what weapons you're using. So you can do a staggering bash mm -hmm. if you're doing a bludgeoning weapon. So after you hit, you can spend your extra attack to do something in addition. Arcing slice, after you attack and hit, you can use that extra attack to do something in addition to everyone around you. Mm -hmm. Uh the deep stab, like, once you hit somebody, you can use your extra attack to drive your dagger deeper. Yeah. The expert snipe works the other way for ranged weapons. You can trade both of your attacks to put one well-aimed uh, attack in there. So in case you're like, well, I want to spend my whole turn to get you, like, a really good shot in, mm -hmm. you have a method for doing that. And I think that really uh, fulfills the fantasy for people who want to play those uh, ranged snipers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we mm -hmm. uh, when we did uh, Capes and Crooks, one of the enhancements we had was like a sniping one called like uh, um, aim shot or something like that, where you give up additional actions to not yeah. only significantly increase your chance to hit, but it boosts the damage a little bit to offset the fact that you're going to take probably one less attack. Mm -hmm. But it works best if you can get the extra attack feature. Um, so I'm like super cool. excited to see what you did there. I love the idea that you ripped out the subclasses and are doing like a, a hero progression instead. I think that's super cool. Well, thank I think you. that's super cool. The, uh, if if anybody's watching and doesn't know, if you head on over the Kickstarter, you can actually get a full free playtest of uh, proof of concept right now. So please download it. Please, uh, well, kickstart it, and please, please, please give us feedback. We yes. want to make the best product we can make. For I want to sure. give a huge shout out to Alan. Um, I'm gonna keep. I'm not gonna give his last name because I don't want to. It's not public, for sure. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he has sent me a laundry list of mistakes that I've made. Obviously, this <laughs> the playtest hadn't gone through uh, editor, but I want to thank him for giving me some feedback. So keep it up. Yeah. Anyway, so I didn't mean to, to distract distract from that, but uh, 
Awesome. I got excited too. It's okay. I'm really excited for your uh, for your Kickstarter. Hope, uh, yo, everyone who's listening, go do that right now. Yes, do it, do it, do it now. Yeah. So that's the uh, those are the the, the core expansions. Uh, front of the rules right here. We give you new conditions, new actions, and then uh, new martial attacks. And those are integrated throughout the uh, throughout the whole book in the variant classes and in all the uh, the other stuff in there. Right. Yep. And we already touched on it a little bit, but obviously the uh, Galder's Gazetteer adds a lot of player options. How many are there? And which is like, your favorite? <laughs> so there are three full classes. I think there are like 40 subclasses, something like that. There's a lot. Uh, 40. 40. <laughs> There's a lot in here, yeah. <laughs> it's something, oh man, I don't have the, the exact count, but it's, it's a lot. There's yeah. uh, at least two dozen uh, ancestries of all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so the, the three full classes, I really, really like them. Uh, the first one is the Rebel. Uh, and right away, the, what I like about the Rebel is as soon as I say that, you know who that character is in the world, right? <laughs> like oh, yeah. That. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, like, okay, I can imagine who this person is in, this, in the fiction right away. Right, right. And so the Rebel is like a warlord from 4th edition, but oh, yeah. I think this has a, a stronger story attached to it. Like, what's... What is a first level warlord? Like how why are they in charge of anything if they're a first level character? <laughs> right. And what's a tenth level fighter if not a warlord? Uh but I think a rebel has a much stronger story progression. You can imagine what they are at first level, you can imagine what they are at tenth level. Hmm. Is there a uh, because so there was a lot of great uh work done on when it comes to the uh the um mechanics and the playtest. Um mm-hmm. Were there any significant changes that needed to be done with this class during the playtest? Um, as far as yeah, mechanics? this one, yeah, this one got moved around uh, a lot. It first came out as a suggestion on the uh, the Icono class. Mm-hmm. That's what the original submitter did. Uh, then I gave it over to Chris Honkala, you know, a Treant monk, mm-hmm. and he uh, took her stuff and did the the first draft on that. And then it went out to public playtesting. Uh, with that public playtesting, we got a lot of feedback. We found out a lot of stuff that people uh, weren't liking. It wasn't really playing really well. Uh-huh. Um, and then we did like a second internal playtest. I ran like four or five. I ran like four adventures uh, with a rebel in it. And we had another group running uh, stuff with the rebel in it. We got that feedback, and then we tweaked it to this uh, this final version. Right. Hmm. There are two uh, subclasses. You can be a heretic or an insurrectionist. So the heretic is trying to like overthrow a religious order, and the insurrectionist is trying to overthrow the uh, the current establishment. I love that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Let's go. So start what you do with the the rebel is you form a soul covenant, right? Find a group of people, and you spend one hour proclaiming your convictions to them. And then you can once these people are in your soul covenant, you can share your powers with them, and they can share powers with you. You can learn some of their skills. You can gain proficiency with like their weapons and armor. You can see through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and awesome. so as a martial support character at fifth level you do not get extra attack instead you get coordinated strike so when you take the attack action uh you an ally gets an attack too nice that is yeah. a way better take on the uh commander strike maneuver than the commander strike maneuver i'm gonna be honest um <laughs> because one of the big uh, yeah. issues with that is it um it consumes uh, specific resources, and it consumes the bonus action as well, and mm-hmm. the action. Um, so to be able to still make an attack and then give up your extra attack to let the rogue or the somebody else take the attack the action is barbarian. awesome. Yes, that, <laughs> yes. or the rogue, 
with the rogue. <laughs> There's also a cool combo in here that I want to the point out. So your your currency is conviction points. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, cool. And so at second level, you get a fi- you get this feature, which is kind of busted, right? It's uh, when you take the help action. In addition to getting an advantage, that person also adds your proficiency bonus to the roll. Did see Damn! That. It's very cool. Right? Savage. And then cool. there's a feature that lets you spend one conviction point and then help as a bonus action. So if you spend one of your resources, you help as a bonus action, that person gets advantage, adds your proficiency bonus on, and then when you take the attack action, boom, they get it on their same turn. They're just pretty much hitting. Nice. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's some power level stuff there. I really mm-hmm. like that. That's I've, very well done. Yeah. So the game. names of the features are really cool. Like, uh, I think the top level one's like Rebel Commander. I think that's sick. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of, a lot of, so, so there's a lot of stuff in this book. I just got to yeah. say that first of all. Um, uh, I think that you guys did a, a phenomenal job. Um, inside there's a, a, aside from all the, the, the fantastic player options, um, there are a lot of variant rules. Um, can you kind of give us an audience, the audience, uh, a few examples of some of the most notable, uh, uh, variant rules. Oh yeah, so I'm sorry. So that's chapter one is all the the, the player options, right? And then you get into yeah. the part two, which is uh sort of the GM toolkit. So we gave you all of these new rules uh to play with, mm-hmm. and we want to to integrate them somehow. And so in the the GM toolkit, we give you environmental templates, like things that you can slap on top of your combat environment. Uh, so you should know how like a legendary monster has layer actions, right? So these are sort of essentially layer actions that can happen anywhere. Like in the, if you were happen to be traveling through the abyss, here's what that would look like. Or if you wanted to be in a carnivorous swamp, an icy plain, uh, a dry desert, something like that. Yeah. These are environmental elements you can lay on there. Right. And again, all those uh, conditions and things like that are integrated into those things. Very cool. Very cool stuff. I was going to say, yeah, it's just <laughs> – we can't – like – I. I it really does speak to how you are as a content creator because, like, we are all, I, I would hope anyway, I would like to assume I am one because, I don't know, I've been playing for a little while now, uh, an advanced player or DM at this, t- like, this specific table right here. Mm-hmm. So this is just like, it's like candy. It's oh, like, yeah. I'm loving this. I'm just like, please just give me more options. I just want to do cool things and have like, cool things done to me. Like in, like yeah, and then the, there are monster templates too, right? Well, if we have all these new actions and conditions, we need to have ways for monsters to inflict them. Mm-hmm. So instead of writing like a bazillion stat blocks, they made templates that you can just slap onto uh, other monsters. It's kind of like... So you can have a mischief maker goblin or a mischief maker uh, uh, treant or something like that. It's kind of like using like an algebraic formula. You're just kind of like making a new one. And you're like, just, just, just put monster here, put stats here, and you're gonna get this. <laughs> just do that all the time. You don't have to do anything else. Just do that. Um, there's also like lots of stuff that people are looking for because a lot of the the Kickstarter is funded by people's submissions. Remember, so when Galder right. visits all these worlds, uh, he collects the, the information there and he writes about it. Mm-hmm. So we have a little essay on how to harvest monsters, and we have yes. rules for that. Uh, things like fighting underwater or heroic training. I did see uh, one about th- how things might training. be done differently in different worlds. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of uh, variant rules and that will, you know, things that you can uh, tweak your game with, right. or things that people are saying, like, you know, I really don't like this, so I'm going to go ahead and submit this idea of how I've been doing it at my table. So like took the very best home rule home rules from these people, uh, went them through playtesting, developed them, and just all sorts of stuff that people have been begging for. Now have options for. That's right. awesome. Uh, what kind of challenges did you actually run into making all of this? Because I imagine there was a lot. And I guess after that, uh, how did you overcome them? So this was a huge project. Like if you look at the credit section, there's like, you know, 20 people involved in it. Uh, 
a huge deal. And so one of the biggest challenges was coordinating everything. Yeah, uh, the person who does my art direction is Matt Perkins, who is a great layout or I'm sorry, he was the layout artist, Matt Perkins. He's a nice. YouTuber, lives in Australia. Uh, the Ooh. art director was Anto from Icarus Minis. He also has a nice. YouTube channel. And so coordinating, and we were like the, the three like big brains on this. Like in order to get anything done, layout, art, and you know uh, senior editing all need to get together. Mm-hmm. And coordinating that across the globe was uh, was a major, major challenge. I imagine time zones were awful to you guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I used to, and then again, some, uh... there was uh, Sorry, all these people submitted content, right? But not all that was uh, the same grade. It came in at different levels of quality. Yeah, some people are like you know really good homebrewers. They you know do this stuff uh, you know pretty seriously, and it was great. Like okay, beautiful, slap it out to play testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, other folks. Um, it was just an idea that they gave us. So I had to do all the writing then. Yeah. Or actually not. I did all the writing. I, you know, of course I hired people to do writing for the book. For sure. And so that's another challenge was dealing with, uh, you know, all those contractors. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire you to do write this much material. I'm going to hire you to edit this much material and then making sure everything got, uh, to play testing back from play testing revised. And then into the book is a huge, huge undertaking. I can only imagine. And I would imagine uh, the the back and forth between playtesting and what people's takes were could get complex as well at times, too. Yeah, yeah, especially because when you're reading playtest feedback, so this is the way I set it up, is uh, uh, Michael from uh, Mike from ThinkDM, ThinkingDM. I don't know if you read his blog. It's an excellent, excellent blog. Mm -hmm. He was our playtest manager, and so he was serving as the, the voice of the customer. I felt because I was so involved in the design and the actual writing of it, I wouldn't be able to look at the feedback with like an unbiased eye. For sure. So I'm like, okay, yep. your job is to go through all this feedback. Tell me what the, the customer is thinking. Tell me what the, the people who are actually playing it really want. And I will go ahead and make those corrections. I'll go ahead and make those uh, adjustments. And so that was a uh, kind of nifty, just having to, uh, to trust the fact that he is looking at this with a discerning eye. He is fishing through, okay, did this person not really understand the rule? Did this person play it versus just read it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just sort of taking th- myself away from that and just being able to implement the feedback, I think, was really, really useful. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And after all that, what is one piece of advice you would give to our listeners here at Crit Nation? I know it's hard to uh, give one piece. One piece of advice for, uh, for what, like trying to publish a book? Uh, yes, and- or in general. Yes. <laughs> as a as a uh, advanced educator in the dungeon master world. Oh man. <laughs> I think my best piece of advice would be to never assume that you're sure of something. And to always to be uh to be uh questioning your assumptions. Cuz so I think that's when you sort of walk into a lot of trouble is because when you assume that you are absolutely correct on something or assume that you possess some sort of knowledge or sort of do things without thinking because uh, that's what you feel you're supposed to do or you heard you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you run into a lot of trouble. Yeah. So being really critical with your own intentions before you act or being uh, being really uh, mindful of what you're doing and why will go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's some great advice. Um, so uh, with that, we're, we're running out of our main topic time. Um, I would like to... Uh, say before we move on to honor tips and tricks uh i absolutely love this product i think you've done um, amazing work 
Um, the Incredible. team has done the amount of work you had to do to get people together. I know how hard that is when I got to work with like four people. Um, so I cannot imagine trying to, to micromanage a team. I don't have that. I don't have, I can't, I have my wife to help <laughs> with all that stuff. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, we had to bring in a lot of people because we wanted to have a, a whole cast of writers. We wanted to get like all sorts of different perspectives and ideas for sure. uh, right into the book. Big benefits that come with that. So yeah, um, uh, clearly. If you, if you guys haven't uh, already swung over and checked it out, please consider picking up Galder's uh, Gazetteer. Obviously, it is amazing content. It's got amazing uh, craftsmanship. And more importantly, the, the profits go to an absolutely amazing uh, cause, cancer research. So please head on and consider picking it up as soon as possible. I also highly recommend you to check out uh, Zebron Disney's uh, YouTube page. Uh, I, I love your content. Um, I watch it whenever I get a moment, which honestly isn't as often as I would like, but that's life. Yeah. <laughs> life so does get in the way. With that, I think we'll move on to our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Zipron, you said you have a, 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 a character concept you're going to share with us today? Yes, I do. So this character is a veteran. Love uh, we love veterans. It is a mix of two classes from Galder's Gazetteer. Of course. Ooh. It is a few levels of a dragonborn fighter. Okay. And with the, the dragonborn subclasses, is these are people who have studied the fighting tactics of dragons or were conscripted into a, uh, a, ter- a tyrant dragon's army. Okay. So for a while, this person was a, a conscript or fighting alongside this evil dragon, and then they decided to go against it. And so they multi-classed into rebel. <laughs> I love it! And now, they're, now they're trying to fight and undo uh, this tyrant dragon that's about to take over the, the land. That's dope. That is cool. So out of this person, yeah, this person is a quarter elf, right? So they're mechanically a human, but they still have just a few elf features. They're kind of spacey sometimes, mm-hmm. where they always look like they're uh, really thinking really hard. They have trouble sleeping. Uh, they have <laughs> a large scar that. that goes across the side of their head from when an arrow hit them in the side of the helmet and then went around the back. Oh, that's so they had a very, very near miss with death, and they have the, the scar right there to remind them of it. Nothing about the plate mail meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, and that was the moment that sort of uh, broke them from their, their allegiance to the, the dragon and set them on the path to becoming a uh, rebel. And so their motivation is to uh, maybe a- internally to make amends for what they've done, but externally to get uh, people's approval. That, uh, you know, overcoming a you know, personal shame some, for some people requires a lot of external support. So once uh, all these other people uh, agree with them that they are a great rebel leader, that he did the great thing, and then he'll actually be – that's how he's going to alleviate himself of this thing that he felt he did wrong. I love it. That, that is, is fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing it. Does this character have a name? Oh, you know what? His name's no Let's Go ahead and pick one out real fast. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, here we go. I love me some generators. Yeah. Or reference tables. We'll call him Turia. Turia. The vet rebel. I love it. Um, thank you for bringing us that character concept, uh, Zipron. Very cool. I can uh, see it being used in, yeah. as like a really good like story-driven point. As in, like he he's the reason you go in and do these things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I see this kind of as like a, a, a 
in my mind, more of an anti-hero type person. For sure. Because um, obviously he started started fighting, you know, for in somebody evil. So they're going to kind of have that mindset, even though they're trying to change their, their ways or whatever. But mm-hmm. I very much get a, like a Deadpool vibe from this <laughs> character. Just like, I'm out for, I'm out to, to, to bring you down, bastard. Um, now give me your XP. Yeah. <laughs> give me your XP. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for our character concept. Our monster variant of the podcast is... The Cave Worm. Um, so in order to make the Cave Worm, you're going to start with the Young Blue Dragon stat block. Um, but you're going to lose some features. Uh, the your, the intelligence is going to go way down. We're not, we don't want this. We want this to be a beast. So drop it down. Um, <laughs> we're going to lose the Lightning Breath, the Lightning Immunity. It cannot fly. It can no longer burrow. Uh, 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 its burrow becomes 80 feet instead of whatever it already was. Um, its size becomes huge. Let's make it bigger. And the AC lowered down to 16. Um, and it loses one of its three attacks because we have to maintain balance in all of that stuff, which Zipron can attest to, right? Uh, so, uh, what are some of the new features we're going to give them? We're going to give them Trevor Sense because, you know, it's, it's a, a worm. worm. <laughs> but, um, the cave worm is, Got an aura oh. called Darkness Aura. The cave worm can generate an aura of magical darkness out to 15 foot radius sphere around itself. Oh, the darkness. And it's huge. Yes. Yeah, it's a, and it's a huge thing, by the way. So it's very large. <laughs> the darkness spreads around corners, and uh, a creature with dark vision cannot see through the darkness, and non magical light can't illuminate it. If magical darkness. Any of this aura overlaps with an area of light uh, created by a spell of second level or lower, poof, it's dispelled. That means let's give double sight. You have disadvantage attacking yeah. this thing. Yes. Now, <laughs> imagine much. this thing like just popping out, and all you see is black shadow. Like it would be monster of horror dreams and nightmares. You know. Oh yeah. Um, we have to give it some additional stuff because we did make it at a, uh, a worm. We're going to give it earth glide, so it can glide through stone, dirt, and any sort of other earth uh, except metal uh, as easily as a fish glides through water. It burrows, produce Great. no ripple or sign of its presence, and leaves no tunnel or hole unless the cave worm chooses to do so. In that case, it creates a passageway 15 foot wide by 10 feet high. I feel like that should be a little bigger. I should probably oh. recheck that. Uh, the spell Move Earth cast on an area containing the Earth Gliding Cave Worm flings it to a, uh, the creature back 30 feet and stuns the creature for one round unless it succeeds a constitution saving throw of the caster's uh, DC. Now let's talk about some of the bitchin' ass powers that this thing gets because I'm, I'm a bastard and I like tough. So we obviously are going to give it a bite because it's a worm. It's good. About all it can do is bite, right? Yeah, just um, about. So Except we're going to. one. I can fail. Uh, <laughs> aside from the. So when it bites, um, it must. Uh, a creature that it bites that is uh, medium or larger. Uh, actually, I think it was supposed to be large. I don't think I adjusted that. Um, a creature of large or smaller must succeed on a DC 16 dexterity saving throw or be swallowed by the worm. A creature is blinded and restrained and has total cover against attacks from outside the worm and takes uh, 46 acid damage at the start of each of the worm's turns. If the worm takes 20 or more damage in a single turn uh, from inside, uh, it must succeed a constitution saving throw of 16 or regurgitate whatever it swallowed. Now, reactions. I love reactions. I love layer actions. I want, this is big. We want it to be badass. It's want to be powerful. So we're going to give it uh, a reaction. It's going to have acid bath. Uh, that recharges. This is the first time I played with recharge on a reaction. Um, so 
give hmm. be gentle with me. <laughs> when, a cre- <laughs> when a creature hits the worm with a melee attack, it can use its reaction to spew bubbling acid onto the target. Um, and each creature within five feet uh, area of the target, and they must succeed a DC 16 con save. Once again, I'm attacking con a lot here because um, every a lot people don't put enough into con. Anyway, they really um, on a uh, I agree. they must succeed the DC 16 or take 40 10 acid damage. The acid lingers in the affected area for up to one minute. A creature that starts or ends its turn must basically repeat the saving throw or take the damage. So now this big thing, not only can you not see, but there's acid puddles everywhere that you can step in. So now, of course, we're going to give it a lair action. So we're going to give a giant it, worm after all. Uh, we're going to give it, uh, the collapse ceiling, uh, so, uh, any area can see within 120 feet, shakes and rumbles, and targets take, uh, uh, 3d6 damage and is knocked prone, um, or half as much damage, uh, it is not restrained, um, the creature is not restrained if it makes a DC 16 dexterity saving throw, the creature's freed, uh, when it or an adjacent ally uses an action of a DC 16 strength to pull it out. The worm bellows, summoning a swarm of insects as if it had cast the insect plague, <laughs> filling a room. So now you can't see. There's acid on the floor and there's insects just swarming at you. And there's stuff falling from the sky. <laughs> um, and the creatures are affected in a space, uh, take uh, 40, 10 piercing damage. They're half as much uh, on a successful DC 16 constitution save. Now, I know that's a lot, but that's what you get when you have a big, badass boss monster. So, yes. um, I did include rules for regional effects. Um, I think that that's... What? Those entries are already long. Yes. Um, so, I'm not going to bother uh, getting too much into it. Consider lots of poisonous falling gas and stuff that can be effect- vermin and insects up to six miles or whatever around the, the, the worm. So, mm-hmm. holy crap, I'm sorry that was so long, you guys. What do you guys think about this bastard? And I promise its powers are within the the CR rating. Which is nine, by the way. Yes. So my immediate reaction, because I, as everyone knows on this show, is I like to think like, okay, now how would one of my characters that I'm currently playing would go against this thing? And I'm immediately thinking, fuck, I don't know how to deal with this thing (laughs) because it's a huge fucking worm. I don't, and I can't see it. I'm, I'm a little lost here, so I don't know. What I'm, about you, Zipperon? It's great. I think the first thing that came to my mind is this is going to be a really memorable fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have this huge monster that you, no one can see what's going on in it, so it's going to be uh, really confusing. It's just chaotic. They're going to be constantly like, shifting in terrain, right? Sometimes going up in the tunnel, sometimes going down. So that's going to be like really fun and confusing for them, too. Uh and when they realize, I think everyone has this desire to fight the, the giant worm. Mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, and so when you do encounter it, you want it to be really, really memorable. For sure. And I think this provides something that's a lot more, it has a lot more of those touchstone moments than the purple worm stat block does. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to be spiling this one away. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so the one thing that uh, I particularly wanted to, the reason I, I built this with the Darkness Aura, because I wanted my wizard to regret not taking Dispel Magic. Um, <laughs> because if they don't go prepared, oh, it's going to be way harder. But there are ways to make this not nearly as dangerous and strong, but the characters have to come up with that strategy. Um, yeah. Specifically, the details for the move Earth. Uh, 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 spell I love that. That's very like play. old school. It's like, well, if you use this one particular spell, yes. here's how you can uh, fight it. And it gives if you do that sort of stuff a lot, it rewards the players for thinking ahead. It rewards the, mm-hmm. them for having a ranger who can 
uh, think about this kind of information. It rewards them for having someone who goes to the library and studies. Uh, yep. Giving the the characters the ability to plan ahead and then building in things that reward them ahead of time for playing ahead right. is I I just love it. Yes. Does spell magic actually work? It's, it says it's a magical fact, so I'm gonna say yes. Um, because I specifically it's specifically worded as a magical effect. Fair so, enough. but it's not a not typically a spell. But I think dispel magic would still. Uh, I think it would apply. apply. I could so, see it. Right. All right. Yeah. That'll do it for our insane massive monster of destruction, the cave worm. It, I would like to say, if you uh, like this monster, there is going to be a fully fleshed out, detailed stat block with lore and uh, mm-hmm. character knowledge. That's part of the weekly PDFs my uh, patrons get, so consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Criticademy. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our long-ass monster. Now we're on to the encounter. So, the encounter of the podcast is, honey, I shrunk the guests. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the characters are resting at the local popular inn. This day is pretty standard. Uh, When the characters go to bed, many of the guests are still up into the night. A guest at the inn named Ratchet Greystone, a rock gnome artificer, is hard at work. He is building a special device that allows him to shrink items and restore them with ease. I wonder what that sounds like. Uh, He plans to join the trade business, as his device can allow merchants to carry much more product due to reduced weight in space. While making some adjustments to his device... Uh, releases a burst of energy that reduces all creatures in the inn, must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is size is reduced to tiny, much like a certain movie. Uh, the characters, some or all now small, must investigate the cause of their transformation and help Ratchet get the now short-circuited device repaired to return everyone to full size. Meanwhile, the local inn becomes a death trap of now monstrous insects and creatures. Additionally, their size makes them difficult to see, so even regular foot traffic becomes a huge problem. Boom! <laughs> so if anyone... Get the boot! <laughs> so uh, if anyone's ever watched the movie, uh, yeah, just, just run with it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Zivron? Uh, I love it. This is a great uh, idea for a one-shot or for like for you run sure. a long campaign, you want like a break, just insert this right in there. Uh, I think oh, yeah. it's the sort of scenario that everyone can like immediately latch on to. Like I think everyone has that uh like that sort of like mouse guard fantasy, right? That okay, mm-hmm. what would it be like to be like really, really tiny and walk around with a giant spool of thread and use a pen for a spear and things like that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of fiction already built in people's imaginations of how mm-hmm. they would do this. Uh, and give them the chance to play that out, I think the players would be absolutely delighted. Yeah. You're like trying to make a homemade ballista with a rubber band and a pen. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, they they want cool. to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have to like all of a sudden, like the you know we mentioned, you know the 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 minuscule insects and stuff are like these ginormous monstrosities that they're. Yeah, I would never want to go against an ant that is the size of a house <laughs> to, in comparison to me now. Like I would never. <laughs> A praying um, mantis would be horrifying. Yeah, they yeah, already they... kill things the size of, like, you know, small animals. <laughs> oh my gosh, they have, like, super strength. And spiders and the birds and a long list of other things. It's like, like a lot more dangerous. <laughs> like, just basic cobwebs would be, like, difficult terrain, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, giant little cra- little cracks in the wood floor become massive canyons, you I know? I love it. Just sounds like so much fun. It's just fun. One of our guys in chat said, would the spell raises thing shrink as well? Because imagine a tiny was popping off a 40-foot fireball. <laughs> when one is tall. The dude gets to ride on the back of a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a really fun in contact. Uh, hopefully. Was it? Oh, it was? 
Well, I mean... No, the guy actually did ask, so what happens when the Wisdom Outcast Fireball? Is it still um, 40 feet? I'm <laughs> assuming it would... Okay, I, I would assume we would have to do everything to scale. I, I, because I hadn't be, really thought that far ahead. I just thought it would be cool to... But I mean, if not, I mean, that's essentially like, you know, firing EPK off a EPK waiting to happen. Yeah. What you could do is you Oops. could, uh, so uh, in the Dungeon Master Guide, there are rules for thresholds for monsters and stuff. Maybe when they're shrunk, there becomes thresholds for everything that's normal size. So in order to actually do damage to a giant person, you have to do X amount of damage first with whatever you have in order to even begin inflicting damage beyond something superficial. Okay. I didn't ask how big the room was. I cast Fireball. Yeah, but keep in mind, you were inside the room, even if you were on Wind's Tall. All right, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the concept. Uh, honey, I Shrunk the Guests. Our match today, once again, calls from Gelder's Gazetter, the Chalice of Will. Wondrous item, legendary, and it requires attunement. Once per day, when liquid is poured into this chalice, you can cause one of the following effects to be applied. It is purified, and he pushes removed and turns into holy water. Wow. It can become poison, and when ingested, a DC-22 con save Damn. is required. And when you fail, you take 8d10 poison damage and gain the doomed condition. <laughs> or it can become a potion of greater healing, which sounds really <laughs> lame in comparison to the other two after reading this out loud. I mean, yeah, but... Only one dose of liquid can be applied at a time, and, you, and if you use the shells to, to transform a second dose... The first one loses the properties gained. <laughs> okay. I love this. Joking aside, Greater Healing is still a pretty good potion to have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but the idea that I, you could, the players can now become like, in my mind, this is definitely for an espionage sort, sort of infiltration type adventure that I would make sure my players got this bad boy because you got to take out the Duke. Ooh. Well, he's, he's, follow, he's surrounded by a thousand guards. I don't know that we can do that. Well, I've got this, that we can get this, I heard there's this rare chalice in this temple that can not only, you know, cure poisons, but can also <clears throat> create them. Maybe we go get that and find a way to give it to him as a gift. I was going to say, because it probably looks beautiful if it's a legendary item, so you yes. can just be like, ah, yes, here, I give you this. But uh, you still have attunement to it, so right, you're just like, uh, yeah, well, you know. Zipperon, this is right from your product. What are your thoughts? Did <laughs> So this is a specialty uh, story item in the advent in the in the book that comes with two adventures, and this is from the fifteenth level adventure. Uh, so the players have to go to a dungeon and collect the four MacGuffins and save the world. And this is the one of the items that we uh, that we give the players at the first part of the adventure. They pay, they face an impossible foe in a nightmare form, right? Like, oh my gosh, if we don't do something, we're gonna die. And so they have to go collect the one of these uh, special items to go kill the monster. And so that's what it's there for. You're either going to pour the poison down its throat and deal massive amounts of damage, or I just gave you the the one healing item that's in the in the adventure. <laughs> huh. I loved it. It was something I hadn't really seen before, um, and I think it was done pretty well. Um, so kudos to the the creator of this bad boy. So, um, that, I think that'll awesome. do it for our magic item. Zipron, would you like to tell us about our dungeon master tip? That's also from uh, uh, Galder's Gazetteer. Alright, so the life of an adventurer is one that is full of surprises and challenges. And a simple quest can become significantly more interesting by adding a simple complication. Hmm. Uh, so when you are going to uh, a, a quest, you roll on the complication chart just to make it a little bit more difficult to get uh, to get the MacGuffin. It's a 1d12 uh, table, I'm going to go ahead and run through those. 
Maybe the object has been incorporated into a giant wasp nest. Yes. Again, this is uh, if you're going on a fetch quest, this complicates the fetch quest when you get there. Yeah. The thing that you look seeking has been incorporated into a giant wasp nest. The object has been replaced with a phony. Uh, rival adventurers are after the same object. Uh, there's a hostile force between the party and the location. Like there's an army standing between you and the goal. Uh, the location isn't where the party thinks it is. <laughs> you're supposed to go to the west side of town and oops, your first city's over. Uh, the location you're visiting has been infested with fungus. And now it's dangerous for you. Gross. A special key is needed to unlock the door. And the party doesn't know it until they arrive. Like in Skyrim, oh like you go to the dungeon God. and you don't have the ruby dragon cake. claw. You're like, ah. oh my gosh. That's Gotta go awesome. back and get it. Uh, and that gives the dungeon a chance to reset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Barbarian cast fists. <laughs> yeah. So this one, a puzzle that's supposed to be used to access the object is broken. Like you're supposed to like undo the vault or something, like you know, solve the puzzle. But another adventuring party's been there first, and they didn't like it, so they just broke it and attempted to fix it. <laughs> and they just laugh because they couldn't get it open. Yeah, or so like, screw this, the barbarian just pushes it over. Or if they the couldn't get it broken, open, they laugh to get uh, get somebody that can fix it. And now you're there, and you got to do the same thing. So by the time you come back, somebody already fixed it and already took what you're looking for. Or you got a very yeah. handy rogue. <laughs> yeah. Or the object could have attracted the attention of a planar entity. So there's like a sphinx or an angel there mm-hmm. uh, just chilling. Okay. Only creatures of a specific alignment could enter the location or touch the object. Like it has to be like a lawful good person to enter this uh, specific like chamber in order to to retrieve it. Oh, so therefore, you have to have like a only a good person can can get it back out. I would you say know? it would be better as Excuse only me. an evil person can do it. I was gonna say, yeah, I run an evil character, so I'm like, oh, uh, well, that sucks. Because I feel like that Just would be a really. A wall. I mean, it's <laughs> well, the lawful thing is it's something certainly that comes up often because you mm-hmm. people who play paladins tend to do that, though they're not required to. Right. Making a v- adventurer, a group of adventurers, go to reclaim an item, but nobody that's good can touch it means they have to acquire the help of somebody they know is shitty and terrible. And that's that a really just good point. That's sounds an awesome. awesome. Idea. Like, Look, all right. I may be evil, but I have principles. <laughs> so, and well, so I didn't interrupt, but time, I'm just guys. like, that just had my head rolling. <laughs> Um, All right, uh, see now. The other one is the location is a boundary between planes, and the party phases over by accident. Whoops. Like, you accidentally step into the Shadowfell, and now you can't get back. Oh, man. Uh, Or the location requires a death of a person in order to access it. Um, Avengers, anybody? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hang out town? Do you have a condemned prisoner? See, this, so... There, there was a couple of these that really, the reason I wanted to include this is because this really got my brain brain cooking because they're general enough that you can apply them across many different situations. You know, it mentions incorporating the, the item into a wasp nest. It could just be as easy. It's dumped into a, a vat of poison or, or something like that. And it makes it very versatile. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are moral, that can create moral ambiguity, like the location requires the death to access is something that's amazing because in my mind that should create a sort of situation but then in my mind i think of people like ian that'd be like hey austin i'm gonna kill your character we're gonna get in then i'll just revivify you when we're done they're like oh okay so yeah (laughs) like i feel like i was thinking they could find like an old like widow who's about to pass and just like you know carry her there (laughs) (laughs) just wait (laughs) put up a magnificent mansion and just wait so uh, i don't have anywhere else to be (laughs) So, anyways, I love they become this. death doulas. <laughs> I uh, I love this. It was one of the, my favorite uh, segments in the the book. Not because 
I think that it was uh, uh, not hard create. It was not hard to create, but I think it gave me the most. Why didn't I think of that moment? And almost like inspiration. Yes, it yeah. enhanced. It can enhance this one little table. Can enhance every encounter that I am going to run. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, and that be, because of that, I ha- it had to be in here. So thank you to whoever the team or member or whoever yeah. wrote this segment out. All right, so re- I know that we're running out of time here, but there's another random t- table in the book that I love. It's the one for unusual doors. Yes, like if you're going through a dungeon, things that make it just a little bit different. My favorite one is a door that only opens if you tell it a joke. And it only understands knock-knock jokes. Oh my god, that's great! <laughs> we did an episode on uh, uh, Deadly Dungeon Doors, and that was certainly not one of the things that was in it. Yeah. You gotta not only tell it a joke, it has to be a knock-knock joke. Imagine trying to leave lore and tidbits and rumors about that. Like, <laughs> like that would I, how would you do that Like, and engage the... Man, that's awesome. I think it's a I puzzle. I think, I think eventually they'll figure it out and then yeah. just like roll their eyes. Yeah, like, like, what yeah, kind of joke would a door like? I'm not, I'm not, not joke. Oh As a player, god. my eyes would just glaze over. I'd be like, oh like, my I'm god, god, god fucking damn it. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> Alright, uh, that'll do it for our DM tip. Let's complicate things. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick! And we did it all in unison for the first time over a year. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Today we're going to talk green. about monstrous <laughs> desires. Uh, oh, you can avoid dickitude by including monstrous desires in your games. Meeting a monster doesn't always have to mean a fight shall ensue, people. A simple offering like food or gold can calm some of the most hostile of enemies. As an adventurer, you can spend time researching and learning what sorts of desires specific creatures have or npcs or monsters or, or or whatever it is but let's be honest most wolves just want something to eat while a thug may just want something in his coin purse what's fantastic about this is that not only does it make for great narrative but it can truly catch your game master off guard uh think about how noisy and creaky the joints of an ancient construct must be a dangerous, uh, so think about that. So you guys hold up, you got this guy who's been standing here for a thousand years, and when he moves like the Tin Man, and his, his, his you know, legs squeak and stuff, and one player just walks up and says, oh man, that must be really uncomfortable. You know, I've got some oil in here that I could take right back in his, it's uh, WD-400, um, should work great. <laughs> clear him up, might even just let you right in. Uh, <laughs> or yeah, maybe. It's like uh, the Tin Man meets uh, Androcles in the line, I like it. <laughs> Uh, maybe a dangerous elemental may have just been summoned against their will or stumbled into a rift between worlds and is just trying to get home like they're not they're like the it's not his fault he's a fire elemental and the forest is burning he's lost you know um <laughs> but the fireplace most, like, ah, shit. <laughs> most adventurers aren't going to know that because they're just gonna oh we gotta go deal with the elemental and somebody just tries talking to it and i just want to go home well you know what ian Banish. There it is. I knew he knew it. Banish. I hate Banish. I don't like Banish. I made him hate Banish. Uh, anyway, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. So consider what the enemy in front of you desires and leverage that to parlay. You don't have to kill everything. You really don't. It's usually a lot easier not to. 
It saves on resources. You know those spell slots you want to save? That you're like, oh man, I want to use this on the big bad evil guy. Oh no. And your wizard's like, I just want to blow these guys up and go on there a little faster. And it's like, okay, well now you can't. You (laughs) ran out of spell slots and we're at the big bad evil guy. So what do you do now? Now I'm not saying there aren't some monsters and bad guys that just need to die. Um, Sure. But sometimes there's other options. And even the DM isn't aware that there's another option. There so, was, Ron, what do you think? Oh, oh I was going to say, a uh, quick little uh, tidbit on that. I uh, We were getting chased by, what was it, like a bunch of like devil hounds or something? Yes, And uh, I literally took like this bone halberd that I got from some In devil. Evidence, right? Yeah, and yeah. I just I just looked at it. I looked at the DM and I was like, can I just like throw this at them? And like, maybe, maybe they're just hungry. I don't know. And he's like, I, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. So I threw it. And I was like, well, uh run everybody (laughs) (laughs) caught me off guard badly i was like okay yeah that makes sense i guess let's do it i mean and it was way cooler because that was something that became memorable because then he tried to do it again did Uh, you do it again no i only had the one bone spear anyways i still think one of the biggest puzzles i gave you was was being grappled by a doll only for me to jump into a nose (laughs) so bron what do you think (laughs) yeah i think that anytime that you have an intelligent enemy who is not just like bent on just destruction there should be a way to uh, have that fight without uh, without combat yeah. um i think giving your players some clues ahead of time i think there's definitely some things that dms can do to sort of uh to sort of prompt that behavior from your players like uh with the, the contract example if you gave them a tube of grease in the previous room uh then you're more likely to get that result mm-hmm. so i think that uh if you do a little extra work as a as a dungeon master then you're more likely to get these uh sort of results you have to plant the clues that the players will respond to. Well, and I, I definitely, if, and I think that works if you're planning on it. But see, that's the thing. Yeah. I think uh, as a player tip, we're hoping that the players will think of these options and consider deviating the DM story, which I know some DMs hate. Now I'm thinking about that one Hellboy meme that went, went around with, from the comic. You see this demon roaring at them. Look the next palette. The demon suddenly goes, my name's Daryl. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, so, so from a player's point of view, what I would say as a player tip would be when you do one of these sorts of things to try to uh, appeal to a monstrous desire. Give your DM a reason other than I just roll the dice. Tell them how you're doing it yes. or why you're doing it or what uh, what's your reasoning behind why you think this will work. Give the DM a reason to say yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I know some won't and that's okay, but you won't know if you don't try. Now I'm thinking about that one anime mm-hmm. where this uh, pro wrestler wants to open up his own pet shop, but he's in the fantasy realm, so there's monsters everywhere. And when they get attacked by like, a three-headed dog, he's like, it's so cute! <laughs> and then cuts the next scene, we're scratching his tummy. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> and there's so many scenes that ways to do that. Like, um, I don't, I'm getting on a tangent. I think yeah, it's a powerful think, tool. Yeah. And even with wild animals, I've had the players come across big dire wolves and use talk with animals, and it was... Like, okay, well, why would this thing be here growling at him? It's either hungry. Oh, you know what? I'm going to make it female. Oh, now it's got puppies, and they're just around the corner. Um, she just says she wants you to get out of her territory so that uh, her pups aren't in danger. They're yeah. like, okay, we'll go this way. And that Problem's I hadn't planned on that. That's just something the druid's like, hey, uh, what, what's in your, what thorn, do you have a thorn in your foot? Like uh, all right, so I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by appealing to monstrous desires. Woohoo! Uh, before we close out today, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of our generous sponsor. And our next gi- giveaway is 
Ben Richten's Librams of Lineages by Splinterverse Media. Brand new lineages and optional rules, including with a shadow that's not their own, that shadow soul wields otherworldly power. Tethered to a magical key, the keykeeper seeks the key's mysterious home lock. Infected with a dark disease, the blighted must master their newfound abilities. The bookbearer is cursed to carry a fantastical book and capture simple knowledge for Mephistocles. Plus, also has some optional rules to remove a lineage from a character or link them together for a linear progression. And it contains full color artwork for every lineage, and also includes a printer-friendly version. Who's our winner today, Ian? I don't know. <laughs> no, oh that's my the god, winner. that's it! <laughs> like, it's right, oh! That's actually what it is, I don't know. <laughs> How did I not notice that? Not win, not a problem. Head on over to creekhemi.com and subscribe and check out our other free stuff. Oh we man. So before we <laughs> before we close out here, Zipron, um, would you like to give yourself one more plug uh, about Galders, guys is here, where they can find you, all that jazz? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is Galders Gazetteer on Drive Through RPG, 196 full color pages, uh, over a hundred pieces of Three classes, 40 subclasses, 20 new ancestries, spells, feats, GM toolkit, two adventures, all going towards, every single penny is going towards the Cancer Research Institute. Uh, great book, wonderful cause. Uh, if you are sick and tired, if you want to push your Dungeon Master skills to the next level, uh, come check out my channel. There is no beginner tips there. I assume that you have a whole lot of knowledge and you're looking to sort of push the boundaries of what you can do. Uh, zip around Disney at YouTube. Yes. Thank you. Check it out. Uh... If I can recommend, I think we've had him on before for this very thing, but if you have not already watched it, the mate, how to make your combat flow was single-handedly one of the single-handedly improved my DMing. So thank you. Um, yeah, everyone who watches the make your combat flow video, it changes the way they run the game. Yes. Um, and that's, that's not a joke it, and it's for the better. And if you're one of those old grumpy curmudgeons who uh, think you're perfect, you're not, if you're not already doing this. So get the fuck on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to say thank you for joining us, Zipron. I absolutely uh, love having you on. This was a blast. Oh, it's uh, an absolute <laughs> pleasure. I have, uh, hope, I'm hoping for the absolute best for your Kickstarter. I backed it for the hardcover book. I am, uh, I know that you are a fantastic producer. You make uh, great content on DMs Guild. And this product, uh, when funded, is going to be outstanding. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you very much. It's definitely a slow but sure march so far. Yeah, we're, let's let's hope. <laughs> All right, uh, please join us on our next episode. We'll be discussing Incredible Creatures with Alan Tucker. I'm super excited for this. Uh, I love this uh, product, much like the old... Honestly, if I bring it on the show, I bring it on because I love it. So that means it's great yep. and you should support it anyway. Yep. Because I get a lot of crap. <laughs> and I only invite the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've never given a negative review on the show because why would we waste our time with bad stuff? Right, right. <laughs> uh, all right. So if you enjoyed the show and you would like to support us, you can visit us at CritAcademy.com. Yeah, you can also follow us on social media. Leave us a review there. Uh, you can, or not there. You can leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> yes, there. You can do that. Uh, there, over yeah. there. Uh, and of course, if we haven't said it like four times already, please go to our Kickstarter where Capes and Crooks is and please become a backer. It helps us so much. We want to make this 
kind of like passion project dream come true because honestly it's super fucking cool if you like really versatile oh, stuff super yes <laughs> happy accident yeah it was happy accident it was a good accident if, if you like really versatile character creation and just strip away the subclasses and keep all these really awesome options to create your really unique hero or villain uh I highly recommend checking it out guys it's just super fucking cool yeah please do <laughs> uh with that i am your host justin i'm the guest zipper on disney and i'm your co-host austin keep your blade sharp and spells prepared heroes Do we have a, uh, a terrible uh, joke lined up there? I didn't. Uh, I don't. I don't have one to tie into the um, tie into there. Our rules. A gazette like, with no headline. Like a gazette with no headline. I like that. Let's go with that.